This is Marco, and you are listening to the Yellow Wall Podcast. Welcome to episode 247 of the Yellow Wall Pod. <laughs> yes, I'm sorry, we've been away for quite a while. And uh, I have to admit, I uh, did a baddie and I deleted the entire podcast with the last four months. So, me, Stefan Butzko, I'm joined now by Abel Mescheros. Hello, Abel. Welcome to Dortmund. <laughs> yeah, yeah, joined in person, you know, live, uh, live show, I guess. Uh, thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, semi-live, but uh, yeah, I flew up in because uh, <laughs> I, I, I needed a quick uh, replacement. Um, and yeah, we are actually sitting now in uh, Mitch Schmackes, the uh, bar in Dortmund that or the restaurant that, that Kevin Großkreuz opens and owns. So if you hear a little bit more background noise, that's uh, because of that. Anyway, Abel, um, we are basically... Well, you have a couple of notes in front of you. I don't have anything <laughs> <laughs> entirely, so um, I, I, I might have to uh, yeah, patch things together later on. Um, yeah. I want to thank uh, Thomas from Patreon for making an entirely insane contribution. So, um, Thomas, thank you so much, and I guess you're the sponsor of this episode. Um, so, Abel, uh, we don't have time to talk about the entire, like every game in detail now, uh, since we have last recorded Borussia Dortmund uh, beat Eintracht Frankfurt 3-1, then uh, had a 1-0 win away to Bruges, and 1-1 uh, draw in Hoffenheim, and then of course a game where I guess we can talk a little bit more about uh, the 7-0 against FC Nürnberg and uh, since we both will travel tomorrow to Leverkusen I assume we should talk about that too yeah. have a little preview so um, in, in general um, let's start with um, the obvious how uh, <laughs> have you perceived Lucien Favre in the, in the recent weeks and, and uh, Dortmund in general how do you think the development is going Yeah, I mean, based on uh, Wednesday's game, uh, it's, it's going spectacularly. I think before that, not so much. So I, I think like anything, uh, it's somewhere in the middle. You know, obviously that's a, it's a pretty big outlier to, to beat Nuremberg 7-0 um, and, and not really get much resistance. But I think before that, the narrative was that um, it's going to take some time for Lucien Favre's team to kind of come together and, and uh, his, his kind of less risky approach or risk-free approach. Um, <laughs> I don't think one of too many fans, and I think some people were even uh, bringing up the names of Peter Stöger, um, which yeah, which Stöger think, ball was floated a couple yeah, of times. Which I think whether definitely probably you know now it looks like an overreaction. We're not sure, but it's it's again somewhere in the middle. The the, the truth, as it is, um, and um, yeah, I mean I've I've been impressed with with some of the parts. I think certainly defensively, I, I would say. Um, I think apart from the Hoffenheim game, um, all the other ones were, were pretty solid performances. Um, and, you know, again, kind of not taking too many risks going forward. Um, I think on the other side of the, the ball on, on offense, it's been a little bit trickier to figure out um, who, who's doing well and, and what the plan is. Um, you know, I was happy to see Michael Royce kind of uh, announce himself or, 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 you know, maybe pay, play, play, a, play a great game. Um, maybe the first time this year, although I think it was yeah. good against Leipzig, uh, from what I remember. But um, so, and then um, you know, Jakob Brun Larsen, who's at, who I know is a podcast favorite, um, <laughs> obviously um, kind of announced himself to the Bundesliga with with the start and, and a great goal and, and a couple. Uh, I don't know, it's one or two assists. So it's hard to keep track of. I think it was just one assist, the one for Marco Royce, yeah, but was, I might be mistaken. It might that might count as like two, but uh, yeah. So it looks like that that's what's going well. I was um, you know pretty pumped by Hakimi's performance, and uh, you know I, although I think people get carried away because you know doing that against Nuremberg, who put no pressure on, on Dortmund. Uh, and you know, therefore, doesn't make him play defense, which is you know something that he 
kind of struggled with from, from what I understand. Um, you know, so you don't want to get carried away there. But um, Thomas Delaney, we could we could talk about. He's 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 I think kind of came on very strong in in, in, that, in that game. Um, again, so yeah. because there was zero pressure. Yeah. So again, it's like I think it's this is this is I think the the, the hard part about you know being five games into the Bundesliga season and having kind of all kinds of different results. Um, you know, I think the lowest point probably the the, the, the Bruges match, which which uh, you know. Um, it's probably one that Dortmund deserved to lose, uh, to be honest with you. Um, that that looked um, completely uh, terrible and um, not, not a lot of positives there. And a fluky Pulisic, I guess Pulisic's uh, goal, and he's he's come up a few times. So. I, I I mean, it was his birthday, his twentieth yeah. birthday, and his one hundredth game. So maybe that was uh, like the cosmic yeah. constellation for him to be that fluky. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, you know, I wasn't overly impressed with the Eintracht game uh, way back when. I, I did like some of the movements that Dahoud showed in the, in the first half, dropping back. But it seemed like I mean, this is again, I think, a criticism of Favre is that once people kind of figure out his scheme or adjust to it he does he then seems reluctant to to change it and and he will change personnel a lot of times and it seems like he's kind of you know his strategy and i think you guys have talked about this is, is to kind of sit back and, and, and keep it zero zero and then bring on the second half sub you know usually Jaden sancho or you know or somebody and then, then just kind of kind of take it late yeah he likes to use the the super sub to yeah. just have have an impact player i mean i think the the, the frankfurt game is a perfect example yeah. i would say just because um you know that was stale as hell and only after bringing on uh, two new players i think sancho was and, and alcazar then uh, yeah things actually i mean what i observed in that one is, is is i was looking at the whole you know playing as a six i think for for i don't know if it was the first time but but it, first time that it sort of stood out for me Certainly, this season, and and once you know, like Eintracht were, were, were tracking him with with, with Alea, um, who didn't do that great of a job in terms of keeping him in this cover shadow, and once they put Gacinovic closer to him, um, Dortmund's build-up kind of died, um, and, and Favre didn't really adjust to that, and really it was like you said, it's, that that's why the game became pretty stale, and um, you know, then, then the, the subs kind of took it with Alcacer, who then got hurt, so. Um, you know, it's, it's a lot of those things, and, and you know, they've had to juggle a bunch of different players and narratives. But uh, it all came out pretty nicely in the uh, in the Nuremberg game, which which I was uh, quite surprised by. Yeah, I think I predicted it too, too, in the, in the official press journalist prediction game, and yeah, I was, I was off by quite a margin. Um, as, as you just alluded to, there have been a couple of. Narratives, obviously, Mario Götze being uh, one that's a hot topic and uh, remains a hot topic, I assume for for quite a while. What do you make of um, uh, the way Faber has has dealt with him? Because um, in the preseason, I remember watching him in the ICC, you know, yeah. and he was playing mostly in a double eight position yeah. next to Dahoud, and it worked out really well. And I thought, yeah, this, you know, well. this this was going to be his season now because I th- I thought from the outset that Faber was going to make him work in his spot. I mean, Mario Götze has announced that he is now messy, but more like yeah, the Iniesta yeah. type of person. Like he said himself that he wants to be in a in a in a midfield role. Where he's comfortable, and then Faber first game, first competitive game of the season, plays him in the half nine position, yeah. and then again against Bruges, where he yeah, played sort of between the ten and the, yeah, the, the number nine, and he was absolutely terrible. So I understand yeah. why he didn't really play much. But yeah, he. he I, mean, I remember watching that game and, and just saying like he's he's making some really simple mistakes, and um, doesn't seem like it seems like. It's weird to say that, but it doesn't seem like he's in a great shape, you know, which, which is weird because he's had a full preseason. And, yeah, yeah, he even know, postponed his, his wedding for Yeah, that. right. So, um, and, and I, like I agree with you, and I think, you know, Favre, Lucien Favre used to view him as, as kind of a 10, which much like Yogi Lev, but then I think all indications from, from this summer were, was that he was going to play him as an 8. I think against Rapid, he even played as a 6. So... Um, you would think that, and especially with uh, what didn't make sense is that they brought in Axel Witzel so late. So you thought that okay, Götz is going to get chances, especially yeah. with Kagawa kind of being on the out to, to be one of the eights. Um, but it seemed like you know Dahoud took those minutes and, and Delaney and then Witzel who, who fit in seamlessly. Um, so it's weird now. I, I like uh, it's hard to defend Mario Götz based on based on uh, his what performance. he's shown. Yeah, because I mean he 
completely lacked dynamism yes. in, 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 in his performances. And uh, you saw it sometimes when he attempted a dribble in the box, you know, the, the idea, I guess, was good, but the execution was just lacking yeah. any sort of explosiveness. And hence, a lot of plays broke down because of that. So you're right, it's hard to defend him. And what I, I guess the issue for Götze is that in the Bruges game, for him came on Shinji Kagawa in the number 10 right. position and he looked actually Instantly, yeah. yeah he looked lively so and ever since Götze has even been picked for the squad, the squad yeah. you know before and Kagawa's out and now Kagawa has taken that spot on the bench yeah so I mean he's definitely below him in the uh, pecking order and I mean there's some rumors about I think it was mostly last week when they were brought up but that um, you know I think this is Mateus or, or Haman or one of those yeah, lovely Literally people. everyone had a comment on Mario Götze now. From Kevin Großkreuz to, yeah, right, I think, yeah. Stefan Effenberg today said something. So yeah, I mean, literally everyone. I think we, we, we even did a segment on him uh, on our show in, in Hungary. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where you, it's hard not to. I mean, he's, he's, he's the second highest paid player, right? He's reportedly 8 million euros yeah, eight, per, eight million per year. Per so. year. So, so, you know, it already kind of rules him out. For a lot of the clubs, you know, if he were to leave, right? Because that kind of salary, you know, even if he, you know, let's say took 75% or half of it and he's still 26, you know, presumably he wants to, you know, um, play and, and make money. So, so I, I mean, and there was some rumor about Bremen that, that I read, uh, <laughs> which never really made that much sense to me, you know? No, I, I don't think Bim can afford Mario gets so, uh, and, 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 you know, so, so I think that kind of rules out a lot of the, the German clubs. Yeah, no, um, I, I just don't think if he makes a move, it's not going to be within the Bundesliga. I just don't know. see where he, he would go. I, I think he's going to try his luck elsewhere. If, and but it so, would only be in the winter, right? Like, it wouldn't make yeah, it now. I mean, on, 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 the, on the show that was last, last and I had the discussion whether Dortmund need to cut him in the winter mm -hmm. simply because he's earning too much money and, and so, you know, you don't get a lot of uh, things back on, on the field. Yeah. So, um, that's certainly something you, you need to consider and, and, and think about. And uh, I assume we'll drive this topic forward. I mean, Lucien Favre has uh, gone as, as far as calling journalists disrespectful for asking about Mario Götze. I mean, he's a, he's a topic you know, of, of, of national interest. So um, I don't think it's disrespectful, but uh, yeah, Fabio says there are other players, and I think he has said like three or four times that you know he didn't play Götze because of the system of the opponent and his own system doesn't really have a spot for him. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think that's sort of a cop out. If it you ask is, me. and you know, I mean, just, just how ironic it is that it's like you know September, and I think the the, the most the, the most better performing that says Felix gets us so far <laughs> you know uh, was kind of let go by Bayern and then uh, burned them in, in Augsburg for playing playing for them and um, you know getting the equalizer very very late on uh, you know, it's uh, Tuesday night, right? And, but uh, can can say that Guts and the Syndicate is contributing yeah. to the Bundesliga. That's right. Yeah. So not a, not a lot, not a lot of people thought that. But yeah, it's tough to see a future for him, honestly, um, just because of how much money he makes and, and how many young. I mean, you know, like if he think if Favre thinks of him as a as a, as a kind of a ten or, or, or some of a, a, a player in the offensive. Uh, you know, lines there. There's there's a ton of options there who are younger, cheaper, and probably more dynamic. And then if he's a if he's an eight or a six, there's also all kinds of players there. So and then he makes so much money. So isn't you know it's like like if this was the NFL, he'd be one of those guys that uh, that get cut that would get cut. Yeah, but, he uh, would be the Jordan Nelson type of player, <laughs> with mi minus the good performances <laughs> in, in yeah. recent years. Yeah, um, but you know, there's always plus the injuries, I guess. Yeah, but no, you're right. I mean. As you said, in attacking midfield, there are better options. You know, if you want to have a dynamic player, you take Pulisic, you take Bonas, and you take Sancho. Yeah. Sancho you know, and obviously Royce. You also take Higawa ahead yeah. of Götze. And for the defensive midfield, I think there's a spot for him. But the problem is, as you already alluded to, Favre is more risk averse, and hence uh, he rather picks Delaney or Witzel or whoever for that. Maybe even Dahoud, you know, or Dahoud, yeah. And Weigel still hasn't really played. Exactly. So how how actually do you assess that midfield trio that uh, Favre has, has picked? I guess uh, was his most favorite like trio of Witzel, Dahoud, and. 
uh, domain. Yeah, I think that that's probably the, the one. I mean, I was so surprised because I, like you, expected Getze and then, you yeah. know, eventually Weigel, who, you know, is still making his way back from injury. But I've um, been impressed with Witzel. You know, we were, we were talking about this before the show, how, you know, um, I, I, you know, I, kind of begun to trust what, what I think Constantine and others have said about him because you know him not playing in, in one of the uh, the bigger leagues um, I've not really seen that much of him and just mostly the international stuff and it's always hard to judge with Belgium you know how good he is but he's you know his physicality his decision making his leadership like all those things that were true that all came through as advertised I mean you know sometimes he he, he drifts in and out of games I mean makes one of the odd mistakes there but I think that's true for Dahoud as well who yeah. I thought has, has looked a lot better you know sort of body language wise and, and not always going to try more ambitious things as Konstantin uh, likes to say um, so I've been impressed with Dahoud, although I think now he seems to be maybe out of the starting lineup. Uh, I don't know. With, maybe with maybe he, he's coming in again. Yeah, I, think, yeah I mean, it's going to be hard to drop Delaney, but I guess it's, if it's those three, then, then it makes sense. Well, the, the thing is, Delaney had like one of the best games yeah. against Nuremberg because, um, I mean, we've already established that Nuremberg were extremely passive and there was, <laughs> as Lars would put it, no pass rush. So Delaney could pick out a, a lot of passes, but... Um, as we, we've talked about before the show, Nuremberg are actually a team that's better with the ball than without it, and Dortmund made sure with their pressing um, yeah. that Never they just the wouldn't, ball, yeah. wouldn't have the ball. I think it was 73% possession consistently. There was, there was one part of the game uh, for like a, a 10-minute stretch, which was like 90% possession. I, I, I looked it up. I think it was, I want to say it was like early in the second half. I don't, I don't remember ever really seeing that yeah, in the football I mean, match. after the 3-0 that was like in the 49th minute, yeah. Dortmund then scored the 4th in the like 65th or so, yeah. or maybe even later. And um, between that, there was just not much going on. And, and I think the game was dead. Yeah. And, and Nuremberg knew it, Dortmund knew it, so they were just maintaining. And eventually, uh, yeah, Dortmund scored even more goals because they have the quality. And, and Nuremberg didn't, you know, make any changes to adjust their passiveness. So that was a weird one from Mr. Turnon. But I gotta, I gotta say, um, Delaney, yeah, really killed it out there. Yeah, and, and I was, you know, I was kind of shocked by the result because I'd, I'd seen a few of the Nuremberg matches against Hertha uh, against Bremen and I was kind of impressed by them and I think even like the expected uh, points uh, you know expected goals ranked them pretty favorably and they were especially in the three games they were, they were in like the top four or five which I was pretty shocked by and you know, there were only five games this was the fifth game so I assume they were, they were still pretty uh, high up there and I think the, much has been made of the stat that they gave up three goals <laughs> and they, were, they had the best defense uh, at least in terms of goals allowed before the Dortmund match and well not so much anymore <laughs> No, I think now that I, I don't know if they're tied worse or not. I mean, Schalke at least have yeah. conceded five goals because they lost five games. <laughs> I think. I think. Um, Quick maths over here, yeah, but uh, I think it's eleven or twelve. Is I think. I think. Um, um, yeah. Schalke. Yeah, it's a, it's a really cool set that last posted uh, on 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 Twitter yeah. that uh, Dortmund have now twelve different goal scorers, where the team with the second most goals have only scored twelve in total, yeah. which is Bayern. So that tells you a how eclectic Dortmund is in, in terms of goal scoring, but also what a big squad they have. Yeah, I mean, even you know you got Akanji getting in on Hakimi. I mean, these are people you know. I mean, Diallo has been has been uh, collecting expected goals on, on the Frankfurt match and, and, and other places as well. I, you know, you got. Uh, yeah, I mean, he needed three touches to walk the ball over the <laughs> yeah. lines. Yeah, it's gonna mess with the models, but uh, yeah, I mean, even Akanji. I mean, he was just winning the ball back. I mean, I, it was like one of those where I think it was a Pulisic header that uh, yeah that, that was kicked out, and then you know he just like took the ball and it's like ah, I'm just gonna walk the same and dribble. <laughs> I'm just gonna be a striker now. Yeah, and even the, the Hakimi one was was really good, and I, I was really impressed with him after you know I was you know kind of hoping that he would get a chance at, at some point, and, and he did, and. Um, you know, I think we've, we've both talked about the shortcomings of, uh, you know, Dortmund legend Lukas Piszczek, who's, you know, probably, you know, given obviously amazing things to the club, but, but maybe his best days are yeah, behind it, him. It, it, sadly, it sadly always pains me to say that because yeah. Piszczek is, is such a legend in, in Dortmund and he has contributed so many good things. And yeah, and in, in recent games, he just, I mean, he was solid. <laughs> against Hoffenheim, yeah. he had the problem of defending at least against two players, if not three. 
at, at any given moment, so that's always awkward. If one you're of them is Nico Schultz, who you know is probably one of the fastest guys in the world. Yeah, and you don't you, you don't know which kind of pass is coming next, so this is this is always a bit awkward. And uh, Lucien Favre has then always tried to assist him a little bit. You know, that's that's the one thing Dortmund always seem to have, like featuring in almost every game, that there's one fullback who's always struggling because uh, the guy in front isn't really helping. Yeah. Be it Pulisic or, or Sancho or yeah. whoever. I mean, in the game Royce against Bruce, yeah. yeah, or sometimes even Royce. I mean, against uh, Bruce, it was Schmelz who got killed yeah, yeah, on, the, yeah. on the side. He was coming was, on this side. Yeah, he was targeted so hard, and like at some point, I think he moved Wolf or, or was it Royce over there because you know he started Sancho and he just didn't do much in in defense. So yeah, I mean, those are things that are harder to pick up. Like you know, when you're when you're kind of clamoring for the inclusion of you know Sancho or whatever, like you know, you always got to look at that that part of the the job yeah. that ne needs needs being done. You know, I think this is the. Uh, Andrei Yarmolenko corollary, you know that uh, he's great with the ball, but not so much without it. And I think you know if you're if you're coaching or if you're looking at things tactically, like that's that's almost more important, you know, um, especially for a coach like Favre who, you know, expects so much on the defensive side and stability-wise to, to have somebody who he can trust. And then he's you know, he's gonna bring on like you know a guy like Sancho who can change a game, but I don't know if he's ready to trust him yet. Just no, because of those I, shortcomings. I, I, I completely agree with you. I mean, he is a super sub, and uh, someone asked Marco Royce on on Wednesday after the game whether Sancho was too good as a sub to be a starter, and I think uh, he sort of said yes in just very many words. And uh, I mean, his his output, you know, given the, the minutes he has, is just yeah. like amazing. Like he has in 90 minutes 1.49 assists and like 0.37 goals per game or per 90 minutes. So the the sets are really good. Just uh, you know, it's small it, sample size. Yeah, it's a very small sample size. I mean, he is he is performing, but I can see where Favre is coming from to start someone like mm -hmm. like Wolf in the Hanover game. Well, while Pulisic was was out injured, so yeah. um, you know everyone sort of expected Jane Sancho, but um, yeah, I think um, he still needs to learn a little bit in the defensive part. Of yeah, game. I don't think there is any doubt about him be becoming a big superstar at some point, just by the potential he has. Yeah, and he doesn't need to do it this year, right? Like, I mean, this is like I think Pulisic has gone through the same maturation process where you yeah. know he was in that role under Tuchel, and and then kind of. Gradually, I mean, keep in mind, you know, these are 18 and 20 year olds, so so it's it's perfectly fine if you're not starting every game. And I think the more people, it seems like for me that um, you know, the more people clamor for, usually the people who clamor for Sancho to start are the ones who don't really watch him that much. You know, you look at the stats and, and whatever, and uh, you know, I mean, I'm a big fan of stats, but you know, it also has to come within the context of you know defense and tactics and watching the matches. Yeah, definitely. So um, I know we have a big American listenership and uh, so we have to talk about Chris and Pulisic but uh, I, I don't just want to do it because I feel like obligated to it but because so far this season I want to say he has been quite integral to Dortmund's offense and uh, if it weren't for his like two week injury or so yeah. I think he would have pr pretty much started every game um, so do you think that his role this season is even much bigger now than last year. I mean, we mustn't forget he already had like the third most minutes last yeah. season behind Socrates and, and Roman Bürki now. But um, yeah, what do you what do you make of him? Do you think uh, Dortmund fans now have to expect like I think last set uh, last night? And I'm sorry you can listen to it, but so I I can still quote him though. Uh, he he said that now basically expects from him to make the difference mm -hmm. almost every game because he has the quality. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, I think that's reasonable, you know, um, he, he, he tends to kind of go up and down in form sometimes, especially after like international breaks or when he has an injury, which is, you know, natural, but you saw that against Nuremberg in the first goal where, I mean, I think there's maybe three or four guys in the, not even just the Bundesliga, but even, you know, there's probably more in, in sort of world football that can, that can do that sort of quick change of pace and just beat two guys and have the ball in front of them, and he, he tried, I think, nine, nine dribbles in, in that Nuremberg match, and You know, completed I think three or four of them, which which tends to be about his average. But you know, I think a lot of times what gets lost in those statistics is is just even somebody having the audacity or having the skills and speed to try it, and yeah. and just having that threat there. You know, like that that's just if, if you're Nuremberg or another team, like you just have to constantly be aware. Okay, this guy could 
you know, run, run through three or four guys um, <laughs> at any moment. I mean, the, the, the funny thing is sometimes I really wonder how much of these dribble sets or take ons that they are even picked up because yeah. sometimes he just, just runs past run the player and yeah. you, don't, you don't even know like whether the guys like measure that. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I actually was like thinking about this because I, I, was, I think it was about the hood where against the Frankfurt game where, you know, I thought in the first 20, 30 minutes, like, he at least completed two or three dribbles. And then and I looked at several data companies who, who tracked the game and, and nobody really credited him with any. So, so they tend to, I mean, and there was other examples of this too. So it probably, you know, um, could be that they're, they're under, underselling this point or, or they're being very kind of stingy with, the, with their definition of, of a dribble. Yeah. But certainly Pulisic, I mean, was, was leading the Bundesliga last year in this um, Uh, and, and this is a quality that not a lot of other guys has. And then he can, he can open spaces that are not there. And he can, I mean, the, the, the goal against Nürnberg, um, the pass to Brun Larsen is, you know, it's a 20, 21st, 22nd century uh, football. Because it's, you know, like, what do you do when, you, when, you, when they have their defense set up, basically? Um, Nürnberg. And then he just takes out three, four guys and then lifts a ball. And it's at such speed. And you yeah, think, okay, I don't think you can really defend that. Yeah, other no, than, you can. You just take your I hat. mean, you can. The, the wise thing to do in that play is to commit a tactical I foul guess, and yeah. just just knock him to the ground. Yeah, but, but then like he would he would need to get fouled like you know ten times a game. Right? Yeah, I mean, I mean he, he doesn't does, he doesn't do that move that often though. But but yeah, I I gotta say I, I think that goal was can just say it simply world class. You yeah. know, by yeah. the by the run that Pulisic made and then the overlapping run from um, mm -hmm. Rune Larsen and then that uh, audacious the touch. Chip. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. was. I mean, to get your first goal like that. Yeah. Just amazing, yeah. I, I mean, mean we saw that against Osnabrück, right? Like, I mean, Brun Larsen yeah. definitely knows how to finish around the, the goal and, and, and is very, very comfortable with these kind of chipped finishes. I think there was a couple yeah, he, in that game Yeah, he's well. good at, like, the first-time finish. It's, it's amazing. I, I, I think, you know, if we compare Brun Larsen a little bit to Jadon Sancho, but, I, you know, Jadon Sancho, especially in, like, game against Hoffenheim or also sometimes in, in Bruges, he just took on too many players by himself. He was just a little bit too... Uh, selfish I guess and uh, what I like about Brunassen is that he's very intelligent yeah. yeah and and you know he, he likes to have a quick combination play so he rather just takes one touch and, and you know the pass and go stuff so that's that's really good and you can also say that Brunassen um, and I think after after Nürnberg's performance we'll see just more of him because he is technically more rounded defensively a bit more sound so mm -hmm. There's a lot of upside to him. I think that Favre, you know, likes likes a player like him. No, yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, I think Lars was the one who was saying that um, had he not gotten hurt, he would have probably started um, the, the first match. Yeah, probably. He's an opener. You know, and, and I, you know, I see. I haven't watched too much of him at the under 19 level, but you know, there's a familiarity that, that he carries with, with that from with, with, with Pulisic, right? Or I mean, there was this side story on, on I think BBB TV. They were like, um, you know, talking about uh, Brun Larsen putting uh, like a, a coke into Pulisic's fr fridge for for his his birthday. Basically, if you come back from the game in a hotel, that you want to relax and that, that stuff like that. So these guys, they have played. Yeah. For a very long time, they have a really good understanding and a good chemistry, and you certainly saw that. I, I mean, when we talk about chemistry, you know, I really also like the, the chemistry of Pulisic and Hakimi on the right side against Nürnberg. Yeah. I thought that was something, and it's nice to have a fullback that's that's quick and can actually like move inside and into the box. Yeah, I think I posted the, the GIF online of uh, the Nürnberg defense looking at them, just like a car. Just, but it, that's what it looked like. I mean, Hakimi. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've scouted him a little bit for, for Morocco in the World Cup and I've caught a few of the Madrid games of him and, you know, always kind of knew about his talent, but, but you know, to, to see it like that, it, it, was, it was quite jarring. And, yeah, he, and was, he was measured with the highest pace in the game, 34 yeah. kilometers that, that makes per sense, hour. Yeah. That's so that's, that's, that's uh, really good to have his pace. And uh, I don't know if you, if you saw it in the, in the game against Frankfurt, um, Dortmund had this... Um, One scripted play, let's say, where they um, basically tried with a triangle pass or one-two to get Lucas Piszczek into mm -hmm. play and, and play yeah. into space. 
and the play mm-hmm. itself was executed really just well. Couldn't get to it. Yeah, no, he just that. was yeah, like they just didn't account for his lack like of pace early in the first half. I want to say. Or yeah, there were like three or four yeah. attempts even, and it always broke down because he was too slow. And yeah, with Hakimi, that for example can work. Yeah, I, yeah, it was. I think it was, there was one for Hakimi in in the the first half in the Nuremberg match. I remember it was around 18 minutes in or so where where. They, they tried that play and he was like and I, I re- rewound it and, 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 and froze the frame and then looked at it and I was like and he's a good like two or three yards behind the Nuremberg defender and then like you know a second later he's ahead of him and comfortably gets to the ball that, that you know yeah. would have been probably five or six yards too 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 uh, long for the ship yeah it's 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 nice to have that sort of weapon I I mean it's it's not like Hakimi is, is like a complete youth product. He has played for Real Madrid's first team. He has World Cup experience. So, um, you know, I, I wouldn't be afraid to, to throw him in, in a bigger game. I mean, that's obvious, obviously it was a good game. And as you said earlier, you shouldn't get carried away. But nevertheless, um, yeah, it was good. And uh, kudos, obviously, to Dan Axel Zagadou, who yeah. I thought had a really good game. And the, the way he... Um, yeah, instigated Dortmund's second goal after like 20 passes or so, or after 15 passes, and then like it went all pretty fast. It was that was pretty good. And I mean, if we think about Zagadou, you know, his last trials were like a late substitution at 4-4 draw against Schalke, which wasn't famous for him, and then that really infamous, uh, I think, was it scoreless draw or 2-0 loss? I can't even remember away to FC Salzburg in the in the yeah, league yeah. where he also didn't really perform well. And uh, Before yeah, that time, wasn't he in the Hanover match? Yeah, I don't, I don't even know to be honest. Yeah, but but so. that's that's what I, I remember of him, and I, neither was really good. I mean, it was a dysfunctional defense yeah. anyway. So it was just good to see him do well again. Yeah, I was impressed with him, and, and not just the 107 passes I think that, that he that he attempted, which you know part of that is down to Nuremberg, but he broke up a few of the counterattacks. Uh, in, in the in the first half, that, that I think where, where Nuremberg threatened a little bit, you know, he, he was always there. Um, then I, and then like there was two or three passes where he just broke like two pressing lines that I was really impressed with. I think I think that might have been before before the the Royce goal, um, but there was another instance as well where you know that's again like you know it's one of those where like you, you watch the game and you're like we have to rewind it and, and look at it. And I was like oh okay, um, yeah and. I was actually like thinking about this this idea of, of you know what do you think about maybe you know future Dortmund defense of Hakimi and then Akanji and then um, maybe Zagadou in the middle and then putting Diallo left back which he's done at Mainz and you know be, putting that more skillful. I mean and the the athleticism and, and, and the skill it would be I mean I don't I don't think it's going to happen but uh, it's something that I think Favre should uh, experiment with at some point. Yeah, maybe maybe in friendly against uh, Aachen or so. <laughs> I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Um, um, I, I guess this the seven nothing win uh, really shows what a great offense Dortmund can be. Um, but problem is, in the, all the games beforehand, they didn't show that at all. And um, one one thing um, that really stuck out for literally everyone to see, be it Marius Wolf or Philip or whatever. They didn't really figure it out to play without a striker or yeah. at least without Alcázar. So um, Ma- um, Marco Reus, after the Hoffenheim game, said that he's sacrificing himself for the team mm-hmm. by the way he's playing. So basically, that his own game suffers by yeah the, the runs he's making, the, the area where he plays in. Um, do you think that's wise to basically sacrifice quote unquote your best player and not try to play him to the best of his ability? Probably not, but and you know, speaking of his running, I, I looked it up for for uh, for something that uh, his his he's uh, made the six most intense runs in the league. So usually that that's like the you know the I think Andre Hahn is number one, and Jonas Hoffmann, those <laughs> are the people who you know just run run run. But you know, you, I was surprised with with Royce because you know he's I think to me he looks a little bit slower um, this year. Um, he does, and and. Uh, but, but yeah, I think a lot of it is out of necessity because, you know, Alcacer would have been the guy by now if he hadn't gotten hurt uh, after his goal. And Maxi Philip, who, you know, is weird because, like, I mean, I, I, I liked him a lot at Freiburg and, I, you know, obviously scored nine or ten goals last year, but hasn't really worked out so far this season. No, he's been, even at 7 nothing win where he grabbed an assist, he wasn't yeah, he was invisible. Yeah. yeah. 
And Wolf as a, as a number nine, it doesn't really work. No, I mean, you, that was you, terrible. You, 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 you and I have talked about his touch. Um, and, you know, he's a great guy. But, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's tough for him. I think his best position is probably, you know, even... I think his best position is actually like a, a wing back. Or, or yeah, yeah, that's what I asked Pablo about, actually, at, at, at one point, whether he could, like, transform him like Lucas Piszczek into a right back or something. Yeah, like I mean, that. he was doing some of that at Frankfurt uh, yeah, last that's, year. That's I was what watching that. Thinking. And uh, I think that, that could work, but it doesn't, doesn't really suit the system. And, Obviously, you don't want to build build your system about around Marius Wolf, but you know sometimes you kind of did when you play him at striker. But yeah, to back to your question about Royce, yeah, it's it, it's it's always kind of tricky because you know he did get his hundredth goal in what is it, 211 Dortmund appearances, and he has 63 assists. Um, you know, and and I mean to think of him as, as not a primary striker. I mean, those are amazing numbers. You know, given how many injuries he's had and how much he sacrificed for for his team, and you know, think of him as as like that. And um, I think he's he's now leading the uh, the charts and goals and assists, which is you know scoring scoring points. I guess. Yeah, that's the, that's the thing about Royce. Even if he looks like he has terrible games, yeah, like yeah. the, the I mean, in scorer points is just amazing. He always like there's always this one moment yeah. where he delivers. So, yeah, best player of the season for Dortmund so far? Who do you think it is? Well, it's hard to say, honestly. Um, it's some combination of maybe Roman Bürke, who, yeah. who I, I think has, has yet to really do anything wrong and, uh, and uh, was outstanding in a few games, like against Bruges, um, I think even Frankfurt. Yeah, I, um, I totally agree. Hanover. I think from, from all players, Roman Bürke has done the most. Um, and outside, of that, outside of that, there's like, you know, I've been impressed with, with Pulisic sometimes, but you know Royce in a couple games. But but you know it's inconsistent. Um, Dahoud, I think a couple games, but Vitzel. But you know every one of those guys has had poor games as well. I think Berkey is, is pretty far above uh, a lot of them. And the others, you know, haven't really played that much. Akanji to me has been impressive as well, but it's not that surprising. But yeah, I think Berkey clearly. All right, I guess it's time to move on to the uh, upcoming game against Bayer Leverkusen. Um, already alluded to I assume uh, Leverkusen will put a little bit more pressure on Dortmund they've now won their last three games including the uh, game in the EuroLeague um, though they had a really weird start a lot of people actually picked them to actually win the league this time because they've kept their squad together mostly yeah. um, <laughs> I'm very reluctant to pick Leverkusen as a league winner yeah, uh, just out of tradition yeah. but um, yeah, it didn't really start well for them, and uh, I um, caught like the first 20 minutes of their game against Düsseldorf, and they should have been down like by three goals or so at this point. So, um, nevertheless, why will this be an absolutely cracking match? Well, I mean, just because of the attacking quality that Leverkusen have, and you know, I think Kai Havertz uh, is, is probably, you know, if this was like the NBA, he would be, he would, he would be like the guy who's carrying. He'd be like the Russell Westbrook of, of, uh, of Leverkusen because he's just like saved, I think, Heiko Herrlich like three times from from getting fired, probably. Um, and you know, I think you still got Bailey and, and Brandt um, and Kevin Forland who showed up uh, and, and scored two goals, but. I think the big problem with Leverkusen is, is that they um, their um, middle has evaporated. So the midfield, so Julian Baumgartler is, is out until October with a knee injury. Um, Chazarangis uh, got hurt with Chile, uh, and Lars Bender, um, you know, and Dominic Kor are fine uh, Bundesliga players if you're <laughs> if you're trying to press and, and do that something, but not going to help you in build up. I'm not the biggest fan of Kor at all. Yeah, I mean, he, he's one of those where, like, he gets there on set pieces, but, like, he's kind of, you know... And, and so, so my, biggest thing with, my biggest thing with Leverkusen is that they have no build-up with, with Ta and, and Dragovic when, when he was playing, and uh, Dragovic is one of those... Because Sven Bender, um, you know, um, was hurt as well. So uh, there's no build-up there, and then, um, you know, so they can't really get the ball to their main players up top. Uh, you know whether it's Brandt or and then they were playing Kai Havertz as a number six a couple of times and that, that was speaking of sacrificing yourself <laughs> to your team and that was not great and, and you know Leon Bailey is is going the typical like Leon Bailey kind of hit, hit or miss you know, you know like he'll score a great goal and then just disappear for weeks and and, and like it's weird because they are turning around results wise but in terms of the playing style like I watched I mean I watched actually every Leverkusen match this season and um, the the match against Düsseldorf might have might have been the worst first half that I've seen from them <laughs> and if it wasn't for like Benito Raman just, just missing a lot and Radetzky actually making two or three really big saves 
they could have been ugly. And I mean, even the even the game against Ludogorets, where they were down 2-0 until the 17th minute or whatever, and Havers turned around. Uh, the Mainz game was really ugly. So I think their issues are a lot deeper, po- po- possibly as deep as Schalke's. Um, well, but that's something. <laughs> but uh, but at least you know now they've, they've turned around with with the results. But in terms of the playing style, like you know, I think we saw last season that that, that they were they were like very very strong and in, in, in pressing and transition. They scored the most counter attacking goals, and none of that is really working so far. I think maybe the game against Düsseldorf, at least they scored one where they finally won the ball back, and it looked like in the second half they they played a little bit higher, and then that was more effective for them. But. For the most part, their their pressure and their pressing hasn't really worked for under Herrlich, and he's he's in this weird position where like his contract is till this summer, uh, and it only renews if they make the Champions League. Uh, so so it's not great, right? And and they did like they were rumoring there were there was rumors about Ralf Hasenhutl. Um, after match day two, and then they kind of squash those. But I think it's it's gonna kind of hang over their head. And and uh, I mean, if we, honestly, like if if it really wasn't for Kai Havers, this this team would be already much worse than results-wise than, than than they are right now. Is it fair to say that they still have more upside than Schalke? Yeah, probably just because of the attacking talent, right? Yeah. I mean, like Julian Brandt hasn't really gotten going. Like he's been kind of left out of the lineup a couple times. Folan looked really, really bad until grabbing these two goals. Uh, Alario has not done anything, uh, and they were playing uh, Isak uh, Kisatelin, the Swedish striker, and he was. I think he had like I, in the Fortuna game, he had like two passes in the first 45 minutes. Um, which well, isn't what you want. Two more passes than the other Isak. <laughs> well, yeah, Sweden. right. Um, yeah, if that, that's what you're going to compare him to, yeah. But uh, it's yeah, and then like they, they played Tinny Edvai uh, right way and right right back, and well, he, that, he he that completed horrible. He completed three three passes in the first 30 minutes, and then they got subbed out for Mitchell Weiser, and then it looked a lot better. And yeah, so so there's a lot of those things, and and. Uh, you know, like, this is my, my biggest thing with Leverkusen last year. Where, where I think they absolutely should have made the Champions League um, last season had they not collapsed in a few games. Like, there's a <laughs> like game the one against Hanover. Dortmund, basically. Well, that too, but yeah. Um, but, but I always feel like that's the thing with Herrlich where, where I don't really know like, how much of what he did was him stumbling into uh, this or getting lucky or, or like, getting that crazy... 10-15 game stretch for Leon Bailey like you remember Leon Bailey was, was, was he played like three games out of the first seven and mostly as a sub in, in the in the um, the uh, the Hinrun there last last season and that's when you know then he came on and, and played scored like 10 uh, 10 games and scored like six or seven goals and became the player of the yeah it was crazy the season, you know, there were the rumors season. of him going to Bayern and, and then you know and then it kind of again like fell apart for him in the uh Uh, in the spring and, and so, so that's why I always think with Leverkusen is that they can look so good on their day and, and that, that might be this this uh, Saturday tomorrow um, let's let's hope not but uh, they can also look mostly terrible and, and, and I honestly like I didn't really see anything from them this season that would make me you know make me think like they're gonna they're gonna come out with a great performance all right so um how how have uh, leverkusen set up tactically so far yeah I mean, for the most part they've, they've been more or less sticking to uh, like a, a four two three one which is which has been their main thing and like i said Havertz played the, the six once or twice but i'm pretty sure it's going to be like you know Kadetsky who's, who's now back from from an injury remember they played like rambo eschan and, and that's yes. He was the goalkeeper of the the, the first match day, and then obviously, as, as he does, gave up a few goals. So, so it was Letsky in goal, probably um, Ta and Sven Bender, and center backs, uh, Bendel as, as left back, and then probably Mitchell Weiser now. Yeah, I, I don't know, he's doubtful, I think, for that game. Ah, interesting. I mean, if that, that's good, good news for Dortmund because his his, uh, his attacking quality is much greater than that of Tim Yedvai. Yes. Who, Whose defense, defensive qualities are not that great, so I'm not really, not really, not really sure what uh, I, I don't qualities really he has. Tinyet by my book is not really right back. <laughs> yeah, so. he, he probably, he's not really much of anything. He's one of those like eternal talents. Yeah, maybe. Um, and so, so the, the, and so they they usually don't really play out of the back because you know Ta is not really good at that, and he's he's cost them at least three or four goals this season already against Bayern and, and other matches as well. Um, you know Bender 
kind of uh, money bender kind of struggles in the build up as well although he's probably the best at it as we know yeah um, and then core you know is very limited you know he's he's not really uh, he's extremely limited <laughs> with his he's technical like maximum abilities. limited yeah and then you know Lars Bender you know is he's, he's again uh, not one of those guys who's gonna you know break pressing lines and, and do all those kind of things so then it's hard for them to get out of the back so I think if Dortmund can put pressure on them um, it would be it would be wise because you know um, you, you just deal with the long balls and, and, and or even like I mean I think I think even um, you know other sort of limited sides against, against Leverkusen like, like Mainz were very successful at just you know giving them the, the ball here like they don't know what to do with it um, and and you know Bailey is not one of those guys that's going to come deep and, and, no. and, and get the ball Brandt does that sometimes I mean, he was actually I think he's leading the expected goal um, build up for them and you know although he's not played that much and Havertz will obviously do that uh, but you know if you can you can kind of stop that then 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 because uh, it could it also then it kind of kills their transition because a lot of times like they will get the ball but they can't get it out of the back I mean you know um, they will try to have a transition play but then I, I think the way the reason why they were successful against Zusseldorf is because they got the ball so high up that they only need to make one or two passes yeah. but if you can force them into making four or five passes or six seven out of the back then then they're gonna more likely not complete those yeah I, I think don't want a well advice to keep the ball well against Leverkusen yeah. and uh, as, as soon as they yeah shift from the like from from the back line into midfield uh, with some security and as Favre always says you know you anticipate to lose the ball then I think they have a really good chance and especially you know if you think back to most Leverkusen games of the last years really you have they, they were mostly all wild and some of them were wild in a very positive way and others were extremely scrappy and like terrible to watch but If you have players now like like Witzel and Delaney, um, I think Dortmund are much better equipped to handle Leverkusen's yeah. physicality than they have ever been I before. Agree. So maybe this is something for them to. Uh, yeah, I would kind of think about um, having Delaney kind of mark Kai Havertz pretty closely because um, you know I think he, he's probably the, the the least important in the Dortmund build-up, and he's also physically pretty gifted. Um, and, and can probably do some of that job. And, and Havertz, like one of the key plays for Leverkusen was was a, a fullback pass to Kai Havertz, whether he's positioned deep or higher up the pitch, and he's just going to lay it off to, to usually the, the winger or cutting inside or, or sometimes, you know, Kevin Folland or something like that. And that's been like one of the key plays. And if you can kind of, you know, get closer to Kai Havertz, and he's, you know, physically very, very, you know, he's not strong, but he's, he's kind of, you know, he's, like very very tall and um, you know really aware with his passing I actually was reading that he has like 94 95% pass completion which from a you know a, basically a, almost a number 10 is and is pretty unheard of you know um, so if you can kind of uh, cut that out uh, I'm not sure what Favre has planned for that but but uh, I would try it I would probably try um, Delaney or maybe sometimes Vittel or Some, some combination of, 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 of those guys. All right, before we get out of here, how do you think Dortmund will set up? Um, I would think that there's not really, like, I think there's going to be some changes from the Nuremberg match. Because I mean, I he's, he's been rotating a lot in yeah. recent games, I think. And there's going to be Champions League, right? So, yeah. um, so there's, I, I, my, my guess is Pischek is going to return um, at the right back, obviously, with, with Birki, and then probably Akanji and uh, Diallo is, uh, is now back from suspension? Or, yeah, yeah, he uh, only had one, so game, one game So he should be back, and then Schmelzer probably, um, so it's typical. And then I think we, we agreed on the Witzel, Delaney, uh, and the Hood uh, trio instead of the 4-3-3, the I would say. And then probably up top, um, Pulisic is, is probably a must-start. Um, I think Royce will, will take... Um, Yeah. We'll take the other five. I mean, Royce came off early against. Yeah, uh, no, like after saving him. Yeah. yeah, definitely. And I think the, the one question mark is is is, is the striker. You know, <laughs> um, which yeah, I, I think I can partly, sure. partly answer that because I don't think it's it's going to be enough for a start yet. I think he can maybe play like 30 minutes or so, but Alcasa hasn't trained for a full week and then only uh, you know didn't didn't complete full team training on on Wednesday. And, you know, he only has a couple of days of training and we know Lucien Favre is risk-averse in, in many ways. And so I don't think he'll bring him for, for a longer time. I mean, he had a, I, I think it was a torn hamstring or, or something. I mean, the club didn't really communicate it. They just said he is fine, we'll, look, we'll take it from day to day. But uh, that wasn't quite correct. If you don't train for a week, it's not just like a little knock yeah. or something. Probably a pull, I would I would guess because I think he got hurt on that shot that he scored on from, from what I guess 
Nee, danke. Ja. Und dann, so, like, I think, um, I think, so once, once they figure that out, is it probably maybe then Royce will get sacrificed. I don't really see um, Marius Wolf getting back, or maybe another Maxi Phillips start, and then, you know, getting replaced by Paco Alcacer, Halftime, or something. Yeah, we'll see. I, I think they're, I don't know, Fabra has, has a penchant to surprise me, I think, in, in positive and negative ways. Um, I guess it's time for predictions, and uh, before we do that, um, remember, uh, I had this prediction game uh, for the half-and-half scarf of uh, Borussia Dortmund Kreuter Fürth, And uh, nobody predicted a scoreless draw for the Hanover game, so I still have that scarf. And people, uh, you can predict the Leverkusen game, and uh, if you are lucky, you will get that freaking scarf, and I will send it to you. And I've been gathering little uh, match day flyers, Dortmund now send uh, or, or basically have have. Uh, At the, at the media room, uh, like a squirrel, and uh, they on the back have posters of, of players. I think so far I've got uh, a couple of, of uh, Marco Royce, Roman Bürki and Paco Alcasa, and what we will do is, uh, within the next game, games, because there will still be a couple of games before the international break, uh, we will have constant prediction games, and you can win these things. And of course, there's still the Stadium Collector's Cups. You can uh, get, if you support us on Patreon, if you uh, chip in 15 bucks or more, I would send one to you, either Mark Royce or... I think we still have one <laughs> from Socrates. I don't think I'm going to get rid of that, but <laughs> maybe there's someone out there who wants that. So, um, yeah. And of course, we have one that uh, says, I think Borussia Dortmund unites against racism or so. It's also a very nice statement. Um, can, can always back that. So, yeah, please uh, go on patreon.com slash the yellow wall and do that. And uh, Abel, I guess you uh, can now lead by example and give us the right prediction for that game. Yeah, I'm going to go with the 2-1, your right. favorite uh, housewife the, tip. The housewife tip, yeah, yeah okay. 2-1 Dortmund win. All right, I, I, I think Dortmund will do a little bit more because I've seen how bad Leverkusen can defend and I think... Um, What Dortmund have a big advantage of over other teams, I know that's just that, that's just an impression. I don't have actual data on it, but I think Dortmund are much much fitter than most teams because mm -hmm. they score very late. They actually, run the most, the part of the yeah, most they, distance. Of exactly. So um, we have a little bit of data. Um, 120 kilometers, I think. Yeah, wh whatever. Um, so I think Dortmund will score late, and I think it's going to yield in a 3-1 win. Okay. Anyway, thank you, Abel. That's a wrap. Uh, please tell our listeners how to get in touch with you on the internet. Yeah, um, so I'm at Twitter. is probably the, mo the one that I use the most. I'm at BundesPL. Um, so that's probably the best way to, to contact me. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, awesome. Thank you for doing this on a very short notice after I completely botched it. And I hope uh, this will see the light of day. <laughs> Every time I'm in Dortmund, you know. <laughs> First time. <laughs> Anyway, you can find me at Stefan Botsko on Twitter. You can read my uh, written work on ESPNFC, including uh, what Marco Royce extensively said in the mix zone after the Nuremberg game. So please go there and check that out. If you want to get in touch with all of us, go to yellowwallpod.com or use the yellowwallpod Twitter handle and Facebook, especially to uh, send us your predictions. I think that would help for me to keep some oversight. If you use the contact form, I'll probably ignore it. So... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, um, at least I'm honest about it. So, um, yeah, please uh, use these channels and we'll be back with a show after that Leverkusen game to predict the Champions League match or preview it rather and the Oxford game. Thanks, Abel. And yeah. Thanks. That's it. Bye.